Well, welcome this morning. We're in just the beginning stages of our series here on the Psalms. Um, and the Psalms really have so much beauty and depth to them. And as we kind of go through them, we want to look at really how the Psalms and our stories interact, the story of the psalmist, but then our own hurts and our longings. And this morning, we're going to look at Psalms 3 and 4. And if we look at how they begin, I'm going to try to put them both on the screen so you can kind of see them at the same time. And they're also in your handout as well. But if you look at how both of them start, and this is characteristic of, of the Psalms, they both start out with this request. Both are written by David. In Psalm 3, O Lord, how many are my foes, many are rising against me, many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him and God. And in Psalm 4, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? There's a lot going on in David's life in these moments. His son Absalom is overtaking him and the whole kingdom and is is seeking him out. His generals have turned against him. The nations, the whole nation really has turned against him and is seeking to destroy him and to kill him. How long? How long? There's fear. There's real and immediate fear for David. His life is hanging in the balance, moment by moment, day by day, hour by hour. Will this be the hour where that army overtakes me and they kill me and my life is done? But there's also a deeper anxiety that is filling him as well that centers around who he is, not just what will happen to him, but that his honor is being turned into shame, that there is no salvation for him. This fear, right? And you can hear the accusatory voices calling out against him. You are just like Saul, David. The Lord abandoned Saul, and he is going to abandon you. That's why everything is going bad for you. That's why this is happening to you. The Lord clearly is against you and has abandoned you and left you. There's fear and anxiety really just kind of intertwined within this psalm. And that I, those ideas of fear and anxiety are such universal ones that we all can really relate to David in some ways, even though we can't relate to the fullness of what he's going through. But we can relate in terms of these feelings and emotions that are going on, where you have fear, real fear, right? All of us have had that, have been afraid. And typically, fear is associated with a real specific threat. I can see this threat coming, and I'm afraid of what will happen with it. Anxiety is a lot more (laughs) diffused. I don't really know where my threat is coming from anymore. I don't really see the immediate danger, but I have a looming sense of that danger. It's kind of the, the idea of like, you know, I think everyone has tried to cross the street and see the car coming or maybe has gone out into an intersection before. This is just what came to my mind as I was thinking of it with my kids. You know, I think we've all had this trying to cross a busy street and you think you have time and then you don't. You see that car. <sighs> Your adrenaline starts to pick up. Here we go. We're going to get across. And that's good. There's fear. And that fear sharpens us. It sharpens our emotions and our moments and our strength. And we can get through this. We made it. 
deep breaths, right? There's fear, and fear in and of itself is not always a bad thing. Fear in many ways strengthens us to do what we need to get done. But anxiety lingers, right? It's now after I've gotten through that intersection, now it's this lingering, can I ever, will I ever be safe? Am I truly safe? The car is gone, but I keep thinking about what happened, and I keep thinking about if, any, if I'll ever be safe again or if there is such a thing as safety for me. Anxiety is a far more about who we are, where fear is far more about what will actually happen to me. David is afraid of what's actually going to happen to him. But he also has a lot of anxious thoughts and feelings about who he is as a person now who he is in terms of his standing before God, his legacy, what he'll be remembered as, what people are saying about him, all of these things. And anxiety and fear are so interconnected that they really can't be fully pulled apart. And as almost all of us in the room know, I mean, these are just such universal feelings. Anxiety is the most common mental health issue that's diagnosed in the country. Over 40 million people have been diagnosed with mental health. And it's growing. There's been a recent study that talked that was just asking people in the last year, do you feel more anxious this year in 2019 than you did in 2018? 40% said yes, right? I feel more anxious than I did a year before. 40% said they feel the same anxiousness. And 20% said they felt less anxious than they did a year before. Anxiety is really just on the rise. It feels like in our own lives, right? if we think about ourselves, when we think about our neighbors, our friends, our family, just the, the people we interact with, Anxiety is something that just doesn't seem like we can ever escape. We have felt it, and we try to deal with it, our fear and our anxiety, in all kinds of different ways. And we turn to the different ideas around us and worldviews and religions to help us kind of deal with our anxiety, deal with our fear, deal with our emotions. And it seems like we get kind of two contradictory opinions in the religious circles, more traditional conservative circles, it's kind of get over it. You know, you can stuff these feelings and emotions. That, don't you know you don't have anything to be scared of? Don't you know you have nothing to be anxious about? Don't you know you have God on your side? I mean, just, you know, come on. Get, just kind of get, keep going here. A very conservative, traditional, right? Like, you got to stuff and bottle your emotions. It's not right to share them. It's not right to express them. It shows weakness, it shows cowardice, it shows a lack of faith. It shows that you don't, you're not a real believer, you're not a real Christian if you're so scared, if you're so anxious all the time. True believers never feel anxious. A true believer in God never is afraid. And so you, we're told we just have to compartmentalize, shove it down, just keep it away. Or we have this very secular vision as well that just tells us to embrace our emotions, Embrace your feelings. You should talk about it all the time. Far from compress it, far from put it in. Everybody should see a therapist. Everybody needs to have counseling. Everybody should. You should just talk about these things. We should talk about them all the time. Your emotions are who you are. It's a valid part of you. Just keep talking. Just keep talking. Just keep expressing. Keep, well, what do you need? What are your emotions? What are your feelings telling you you need? You should pursue those things. Who are we to tell you not to follow your emotions, not to follow your feelings? You should. Everybody should follow their feelings. Everyone should embrace their emotions and be more emotional. Christianity offers us a different version, right? And and I think you see it here in the Psalms, and we see this. 
where I don't have to stuff or hide my emotions or my feelings or my fears or my anxiousness, but I also don't have to embrace them as who I am or talk about it endlessly, but rather the biblical model or vision here that Christianity offers us is that I can pray through my emotions. I can pray my feelings. I don't have to stuff it. I don't have to just talk endlessly to people. I can pray through this and in this. Look at how David responds in both of these places, in the next verses in both Psalms, right? So he's got this fear and anxiety. He's got this, I mean, legitimate issues in his life where his death is lingering over him and the legacy of who he is as a king and the standings of God's promises, all of these things. And he responds in Psalm 3, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head, I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. And then in Psalm 4, But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. David's response to his situation is really startling to us as modern readers in a lot of ways. He's angry. He's bothered. He's very honest about that. He's very bold with God in both ones. And it seems like in both Psalms, Psalm 3 to 4, it's a growing boldness. It's a growing anger. And here in 4, I mean, he's... He's upset. He's legitimately upset, which he should be. What's happening to him is not good. None of this is good. He reminds himself of the truth that God is ultimately for us. God has done this for him before. He is a guardian. He is a shield. And then he steps into this obedience of faith. I will cry out to you. I will be angry. But I'm not going to sin. I'm going to be angry. I'm going to cry to you, Lord. And then I'm going to go to sleep. And when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to go to the tabernacle and I'm going to give offerings to you. (laughs) I'm going to do what's right tomorrow. He has these three kind of ideas within his response. I think we see in the face of his fear and anxiety... David is honest with God. He's very honest about it. He puts words to his feelings. He puts words to what's going on around him. And he speaks them to the Lord. And then he goes to sleep. And then he does what's right. He has this, I'm going to cry out to God. I'm going to give him this situation. Then I'm going to, my fears, I'm going to try to articulate this to him. And then I'm going to go rest. And then I will do what I know is right. And I think that his response, this biblical response to this fear and anxiety, is just so counter to the way that I deal with my fear and anxiety, and counter to the way that I think most of us probably deal with our fear and our anxiety. David is very forthcoming and honest, even calling out for his enemy's teeth to get smashed in. Oh, that's not very Christian. (laughs) But he's that 
angry and upset, and he will honestly give that to the Lord. Me? Oh, I will minimize sin like you won't believe. <laughs> what did someone do? It wasn't that bad. I've been there. It's, everyone goes through that. I will not be honest with sin. Right? I will try to minimize people's sins, especially sins against me, as much as I possibly can to try to make it not a big deal. I'll take fear and anxiety, and I will internalize it, right? I'm not talking to anybody about this, let alone to God. I will, it will ruminate in me for a few weeks, probably, maybe a month or so, until it finally comes out in some physical manifestation, because I haven't dealt with it, because I won't talk about it, because I won't be honest about it, right? David is honest and direct. He's honest about his desires, and then... What he does with those things, again, are so contrary to what we do. Even if I am honest, even if I do recognize my fear and my anxiety, I go to work. Right? I go and figure this out. I've got to get either to the bottom of it, to the root of it tonight. Right? I gotta, let's get into this. Let's do it. I've been trained. Right? We've done with the redemption. Let's dig in and find that trauma. Let's get to the bottom of this. I want to get rid of my fear. I'm going to get rid of my anxiety. I'm going to handle this. Or I'm going to handle or figure out what the circumstances are in my life that's causing such anxiety and fear. And we're, let's, let's deal with it. And I'm going, to, I'm going to make a plan. Or the opposite of that. Or I'm just going to detach right, and not do anything, and avoid, and avoid, and avoid. That's what makes anxiety, though, so debilitating at times, because we, we have that manic response often, where we're like, we want to fix this. I want to fix it. I don't want to be anxious. I don't want to be afraid. All right, what do I need to do? How do I fix what's going on in my life? What is the circumstances that have to change? And then as I start to do that, I can't figure it out. Because there is no direct, real fear that I can pinpoint on, but it's rather this diffused feeling of fear and anxiety about who I am. And I just spiral, right? And we just stay within that looking and hoping and, and panic. And we never rest. Can you imagine this response that David does? He goes from being racked with fear and anxiety to sleeping. In the midst of all of what's going on in his life, he can lie down and go to bed. Where we look to all kinds of things to give us rest, but rarely in the midst of our fear and our anxiety do we ever truly find it. We'll go to medication, we go to Netflix, we go to whatever it is to distract ourselves, to give us what seems like rest, but never true rest, especially just a good night's sleep in the midst of things going wrong around us. Right? Sleep, it seems so fleeting. It's such a, we want it, and it just feels just right out of reach. Like, I just wish tonight to get a good night's sleep. What do I got to do to sleep tonight? What do I got to do to get this rest? How does David go to this? What's the source of his hope that enables him to pray through his emotions and fears so honestly and then be able to go and rest and be faithful? Well, if we keep going through the Psalms, 
his ability to rest comes from his hope. Where he says, right in Psalm 3, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessings be on your people. And in Psalm 4, You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I both lie down and sleep. For you, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. How is David able to rest in the midst of his fears? He knows where salvation comes from. He deeply knows it. The Lord will judge and vindicate. Those accusatory voices, right, that are in David's life, that are in our life. You're not good enough. You're not doing enough. God knows. God vindicates. He defends his people. And David recognizes that God makes us dwell in safety. It's a powerful idea that we probably don't recognize enough. God is the one who sustains me. God is the one who provides my safety. Because our need is much like David's. This reason for the rising anxiety, when asked people, you know, why do you feel more and more anxious? What's the source of that anxiety coming from? It's safety. That's what they say. I don't feel as safe this year as I did last year. If it's physical safety, if it's financial safety, if it's emotional, we just, we don't feel safe. We're always looking for things to provide us safety. What will sustain me? What will keep my family safe? What will keep me safe? Is it this job? Is it this home? Is it this work? And what, what will keep me safe? We have that ingrained fear, right, that I am going to be abandoned. I have been abandoned in the past. I will surely be abandoned again in the future. That's our story. Abandonment, abandonment, abandonment. So I need to figure something out here. I've got to build up a little kingdom here so I will never be let down again so people cannot hurt me and abandon me. Because if I was really to identify myself with a character in the Psalms, right, it would not be David, but it would be those other voices, <laughs> those, those men who are crying out, who want vain words, who are asking that question, right? You know, who will show us some good? Yeah, I'm always wondering, who will show me some good? Show me good. Give me a plan. Find me something that will actually provide for my safety, provide for my goodness, my health, my happiness. Who will it be? What will actually make me rest? What will actually make me safe? Can you imagine how you would actually sleep if you truly believed that you had nothing to fear in this life? if you were truly protected and cared for, if all of your needs were met. I think we've all had tastes of that kind of sleep in our lives where you can just rest at peace. I mean, the reason we get tastes of it is because it's what we were meant for. We were given this. This is what we were designed. We were not meant to be anxious and to not have any rest and to constantly be searching for sleep solutions and different things that will truly help us to sleep, we were made to rest and to sleep and to have our 
needs met, to feel safe. So what is it that keeps us awake through the night, that keeps us from experiencing this rest that David was able to experience in the midst of everything going on, that Jesus is able to experience in the midst of the storm at the sea? You know, what, what, how is this possible? What is it that keeps us from it? And I think if we're honest with ourselves, the thing that keeps us from experiencing true rest and peace is our misplaced hopes. We make everything about ourselves. Even my sleep is about me or my lack of sleep. I want rest. I want sleep. I need these things. I want to feel better. I want the. We just, everything, everything in our lives, we connect to ourselves constantly. Every word somebody says is ultimately back about me. Every action that's either done by people, I try to connect it back to me and I feel slighted or hurt or I feel puffed up and praised by it, everything that's not done, I start to think about and wish it, that I had done that, or I wish that someone else had done that for me or to me. We're always running these what-ifs in our heads. And it just ruminates in there. What if? What if I never would have done that? What if I could do this? What if this would happen to our family? What if this didn't happen? What if this didn't come through? What if that came through? And we turn these what-ifs into these ultimate ideas and hopes and desires, and we just think about them and think about them and think about them and think about them, and we make plans for how we can deal with it or what will happen next. And then we even turn our religious life into a very selfish life then, too. <laughs> okay, I'm tired. I, don't want to get, I want to get rid of my anxiety, so I should pray more. I'll pray more to get rid of anxiety. I will read my Bible more to get rid of my fears and my depression. I will, all right, I, I, I just don't want these feelings anymore, so I'm going to find something, some plan, something to do to just get rid of it. But what would actually happen if we could give over our what-ifs to the Lord? Hey, could you imagine that? I can just take all these what-ifs that are in my heart and my, my mind. I could give them to God and I could just go to sleep. To actually cast our burdens on Christ, right? Which is this common refrain that Jesus is telling us to do. I want to actually do that. I have these burdens. I have these fears. I have this in my heart. I want to give them over and then go to sleep. It really comes down to those where we think and what we think will actually make us safe. Do the walls around me make me safe? My relationships make me safe? My systems, my plan, my religiousness? Or my freedoms, my lack of restraints? You know, what is it that actually makes us feel safe? We sleep the soundest, right? We're the most rested when we feel the safest. You know, one, just, I think Barb won't mind. I didn't ask her permission, but... She shared this with me a while ago when she first, Barb is my mother-in-law, Becky's mom, and she lived alone for most of her life. And then she moved into our house, you know, eight years ago. And she talked about that first night sleep <laughs> of what it, like, I've never slept like that. Being in a house with people above me, around me, right? Like I wasn't alone. And just that feeling, right? And I think we all have that, that we've had those feelings, to have that feeling of safety, 
We experience anxiety and fear when the sources of our safety are threatened. All the fear and anxieties we experience in our life come from when my hopes are threatened, when the things that I love come under attack, I potentially could lose this, when my identity is under attack. It's like, David, we will feel fear, anxiety. And that's a normal feeling. We become angry. We become defensive. Those are not unnormal feelings either. Those are, you know, and that's the thing with David here. He is angry. It's not sinful. It's not wrong to be angry when the things that we love come under attack. It's not wrong to say that this is wrong, <laughs> that this shouldn't be, that I shouldn't have to feel this way. You know, like, it's okay to be honest about that and to call it what it is, wrong, not the way that God designed this world to be. How do I take my fear and my anxiety and give them over to the Lord? It's going to require us to really train our hearts and our minds. It doesn't just happen. And that's the hard part for all of us. I was reading a book this week on occupational... um, Oh, now I lost the time. Behavioral... Cognitive behavioral, that's it. Therapy, yes. Cognitive behavioral therapy. Thank you, Deirdre. You know, and the opening just said, right, like it, the hope is, look, we're not going to go any deeper. We're just going to fix your problems today, right? Like if you follow these steps, we're going to figure out how to fix this right now. Oh, amen. That's what I want. <laughs> I want to fix this right now. Give me the strategies. Give me the steps. Give me the thing. Whatever it is, let me fix it. We want to be fixed right now. I don't want to have this. But to get to the place where I can do that is actually going to require training. It's going to require work. Dallas Willard talks about this in his book, The Spirit of the Disciplines. Right? Like we read Jesus getting tempted, and he can like fight out temptation. Like, oh, all right, I, want, I'll, I should be able to do that too. Or it's like the kind of idea of like watching a professional baseball player hit a home run. You're like, I want to do that. So how do I become a home run hitter? Well, you hit home runs. So I'm just going to get, I'm going to hit home runs more. No, right? That's not how that develops. That's not how Jesus grew. It, it's a lifetime of training their bodies and their life for that moment. If we're only focused on these big home run moments, like I should be able to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to conquer my fear and anxiety today, and I'll never be anxious again. No, what do you? Like, this is a lifetime. This was David's life. You know, we're looking at his story. He had no shortage of opportunities to put his hope and trust in Jesus, in that promised Savior, Messiah, and in God, and not in himself. He was continually run down and judged and experiencing that despair, so he could learn to turn his hearts and his mind toward the Lord. This is going to take effort. For many of us, we don't want that to be said. (laughs) I want freedom. I want to feel like it. I don't want to do anything unless my heart's in it. And others of us are saying, amen. Give us the effort. Give us a program. Let's do this. Let's make a plan and a system, and let's train our hearts and minds. Let's go. It really comes down to resting in God's love. We have to step forward in obedience. We have to do what he's called us to do. It's going to take work, but our hope can't be in the system. It can't be in the effort. 
And it can't be in my freedom either. But it actually has to be in that resting in God's love where I can honestly give my emotions and feelings to the God. That's that first step. And I think many of us need practice with this. Depending on your upbringing and your background, you may not be able to put words to your feelings. You may need to work on writing poetry. You may need to work a little bit on metaphors. You may need to give some words to feelings and try to do those things. Rather than just, "Mm, I feel bad. I feel pretty good. But to really try to express your feelings and your anger. To really own your feeling. But to be honest about them with the Lord. Right? And that's different too. Not just running to your spouse with your feelings. Not just running to a therapist with your feelings. You may need to. I'm not saying you know, to community, absolutely. But to the Lord. That there is this open communication and prayer life where I take my feelings and I give them to the Lord. I pray through these. Not just talk through them, right, in a circle, but actually pray through my feelings to the Lord. And then that second aspect that we need to be obedient towards or train ourselves in is to just be obedient in our actions. I need to do what is right, whether I feel like it or not. David recognizes, I'm going to go to the tabernacle. I'm going to give right sacrifices. I'm going to do what is right. No matter what happens in my circumstance, I will do these things. And that's hard for us because many times in the midst of our fear and our anxiety, we try to get out of things. This is my go-to response. Right? If I've got a lot of commitments, I've got stuff going on, and I don't feel very full of life and joy, I want to get out. And this is just, again, in that behavioral cognitive or behavior book, too, they were talking about this, of like the short-term rewards of it. It feels nice initially to get out of your reward, yeah, what it was and take a nap. But then long-term, it led me to isolation and my feelings spiral more and more and more and more. We know what the Lord has required of us. We know what he's given us to do. I need to step into faithfulness and do them. I need to show up. I need to pray. I need to go to work. I'm going to step into faith, trusting that God will sustain me, even if I don't feel like it today. Trusting that there will be good that will come from those things. And then there's just a resting. Actually taking care of ourselves and resting. Stop trying to take control. Stop trying to fix all of the problems around us. Stop making plans for other people or for ourselves. We know what we're called to do. We know what lies ahead of us. I'm going to give over my cares, my fears to the Lord, and I'm going to rest. Trusting that it's the Lord who protects and who provides. And how do we know this? Right? How do I know more and more that the Lord is the one who protects me and can provide for me? Because of the gospel. We have to keep that gospel before us over and over. Salvation and joy secured for us through Jesus Christ. That the statements of you have given me, you have put more joy in my heart. How is that true? <laughs> by seeing Jesus, by seeing the cost of our salvation. He cried out and it wasn't answered so that I will always be answered when I cry out on my bed. He was abandoned 
so that I will always be defended. He was emptied so I can be filled. He left his father's home so I could be brought in. When we see the infinite cost and love given to us at the cost that it was, our hearts are moved. Every experience of fear, worry, anxiety in our life is an opportunity for us to put our hope in Christ. It all comes back to this misplaced hopes. My feelings come out of my heart, which lead to my actions, which lead to all these things. And they're always an opportunity for me to retrain my heart and my mind and to be reminded of God's goodness. And I'm not going to get there, <laughs> right? I'm not going to fix anything. I'm not, I'm not flipping a light switch and I'm no longer anxious tomorrow or those types of th- My circumstances aren't changing, but it's this life. I would rather have Christ. I would rather have God as my joy and my refuge and strength, even when everything else is surrounding me seems to be falling apart. But this is going to take intention, time, community, and the Spirit for us to do this. But it's what Christ is calling us to as a church more and more. And to be a community that tangibly, physically is able to put their hope in Christ will look different. Right? A family of God that is honest with fear, honest with emotions, but is also honest about God and actually rested and not panicked and overly controlling. But this comes through knowing Jesus Christ and resting in his love.